millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduccio, and this time round, I've mentioned this in passing multiple times. I said that there would be an episode coming up, so here it is, everybody. We're talking about He-Man, which means that we'll be able to talk about a revolution in children's marketing from over 40 years ago, a couple of generations back, indeed, and... Of course, we'll obviously be talking about xenophobia in the ancient world. Yeah, that's there. Believe me, we'll get to it. Oh, this is going to be fun. I had lots of positive comments quite a while back when I did the Lego one and people saying, oh, I could just tell you had such sort of joy around it and it was bringing up all these sort of childhood memories. Indeed, that was true. And it's the same this time round with the wonderful world of He-Man. So... If you don't know He-Man is, then you're probably under the age of 30. (laughs) Simple as that. So, where to start with this one? Okay, let's start with Star Wars. It's 1977, George Lucas has this movie that comes out, and basically, science fiction movies, with the exceptions of of the Planet of the Apes franchise, it's kind of been forgotten about now, about how big they were in the 60s and 70s. Apart from that one exception, basically most science fiction was sort of B-movie affair, it wasn't particularly big grossing, it was pretty cheap, etc. And on top of that, movies tended to be avoided, by comparison to TV, was avoided by kids' toy makers. Because everybody knew that if you had a big film, then it's going to be hot for that summer, and then... All the kids are going to forget about it by Christmas. And therefore you wanted a TV show that will be back again and again and would keep people coming for like season two and season three. It's why even though Starsky and Hutch in the 1970s was actually aimed at adults, it was actually more adult orientated than you might first think. It had kids annuals and of course Starsky and Hutch toys. So that would be an example of that. But... Star Wars proved that if you had the right IP, then absolutely a movie could start making a ton of money through toys. And the thing was, at that point when Star Wars came out in 77, perhaps the biggest boy's toy was G.I. Joe in America or Action Man here in the UK. And it was basically a doll about the same size as a Barbie. 
don't call it a doll because boys don't play with dolls. Instead, it was called like an action figure or, or something like that. And the point is that if you had Star Wars figures at that same height, well, if you're also going to sell the equipment that goes with them, like the Millennium Falcon or an X-Wing fighter, just way too woefully big. So what did they do? They came up with something that was about, I'm going to say, 10 centimetres tall, about that, so like three inches, give or take. So that allowed them to build various spaceships and so on and so forth. Once that happened, other figures started using this totally arbitrary, just started with Star Wars, size of figure. But you then have Mattel. And Mattel is famous for Barbie and famous for Hot Wheels. But Mattel had no boy action figures. That was all sort of hoovered up by Kenner and Star Wars and other companies were like G.I. Joe, the, the revamped newer figures that actually were shrunk down to the same size as Star Wars figures. And indeed, Mattel had tried. They had gone for Clash of the Titans, the last great Ray Harryhausen animated movie. Well, it wasn't, the figures were animated, special effects, if you like, were animated, but there was lots of live action in it as well, and actually won an Oscar. And also Flash Gordon, you know, which was clearly a riff off the older pulp comics from the 1930s that was turned into a TV show or a B-movie type thing. If you like, Flash Gordon was the perfect example of Star Wars was heavily influenced by Flash Gordon. But obviously in the 1970s, George Lucas took it to a new level when it came to special effects and things like that. So why not use these new special effects to revamp Flash Gordon? But while it did have an awesome Queen soundtrack and is his very memeable and quotable it was actually a box office disappointment. And more importantly, for Mattel, who invested in Flash Gordon figures, nobody bought them. And it was the same thing with Battlestar Galactica, which again was influenced by Star Wars and was at least a TV show. So therefore, it's going to be out there for quite a while. And I actually had some Battlestar Galactica figures. They weren't as good as the Star Wars figures. And yeah, they died. The range just shriveled up. So Mattel had kept trying and it kind of wasn't going very well. And so what we then need to jump into is the is more comic books this time around. Not Flash Gordon, but Frank Frazetta's Conan the Barbarian. Which by 1982 actually had the big breakout role for one Arnold Schwarzenegger. And whereas Conan had been around for decades, and actually the comic books were based on even earlier written works, so you've got the books then you've got the comic books, then you've got the movie, and Barbarians was sort of hot in the world. And in terms of Barbarian, that's the critical thing that I'm going to be coming back to when we start talking about xenophobia. No, really, it's there, and I can't wait to tell you that bit. But first of all, let's have some fun with the world of He-Man. So basically, there are a number of different people involved in the creation of of He-Man. One of the sort of key people was Roger Sweet. He was a designer and Mark Taylor who also did some of the graphic design and he created Skeletor for example. And the thing about Roger Sweet is he really liked the Conan comics and so he came up with this figure and just beefed it up. But he didn't have the right size figures if you like. There's, this figure was at a different scale to something like a Star Wars figure. And when it was presented with this super beefed up, ultra muscular styling, then 
it just towered over the Star Wars figures and everybody sitting there in the marketing team went, huh. So if the kids got this in like their little like toy chest, this figure will be more prominent, more easy to play with and more powerful than all these other ones there. The other thing, and I love this bit, is there had been various marketing looking at what little boys wanted to do. How did they play with toys? And one of the things, both boys and girls aged about five, what they noticed both sexes did is they kind of told off their toys. They took control. And that's because when you're a five-year-old, you're constantly being nagged by your parents to, you know, be quiet, sit down, eat your greens, etc. Get up, go to school. It's just like you have no power whatsoever. So they came up with the line, I want the power, which eventually turned into I have the power. By the power of Grayskull. which was specifically designed at pre-10-year-olds who basically all pre-10-year-olds want power. To be fair, most adults want it too. So you're getting all these different bits from different areas coalescing into what became known as He-Man. And indeed, Roger Sweet, that designer, he actually came up with the title He-Man. And they didn't quite have the rest of the thing, Masters of the Universe, which a lot of people at the time, when it was eventually put onto the boxes, people thought, that's really clunky. But obviously it's now become a design and statement classic. So after much preamble, they therefore came up with their own unique product. He-Man was not Conan the Barbarian. He was influenced by him, but he was his own guy. And he didn't have a helmet, for example. And he was blonde rather than dark hair. So clearly he's a big muscular boy, but he wasn't specifically Conan. Then what we have is we now move into, well, we've got all the prototypes, but we now need to see if we can actually sell them. And so because almost all toys were created on the back of an existing movie or TV show, like I've mentioned, Star Wars, Star Trek, as I said, Clash of the Titans, so on and so forth, all that kind of stuff. He-Man was basically the first toy range that inspired media themselves. And this was really important. And so one of the first people that they pitched it to was Child World, which was the second largest chain of toy stores in America. And Child World went, hey, this is really good. This is interesting, but how do the kids know the story? You know, the lore, L-O-R-E. And so it was Mark Ellis, another Mark, who basically in the meeting went, oh, don't you know? They come out with comic books, these little small comic books that tell you a little story and obviously show you the different characters that you could buy or the one that's actually in this book right now. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And they put in a big order. And then after doing Child World, they then went to Toys R Us. If it's worked with number two, now we've got the confidence to approach number one in terms of toy chains or toy store chains, I should say. And they went to them and they told them about, showed them the toys, they like the toys. And they preempted their questions going, oh yeah, there's going to be these comic books in there. And then 
Toys R Us pointed out something that Child World didn't really notice. If you like, this is why Child World were number two, because Toys R Us went, hang on, you're aiming this at five and six-year-olds. They can't read. <laughs> and so the same Mark Ellis, who had basically come up with the comic book on the spot, said, didn't we tell you? Oh, there's going to be a couple of animated specials. And so... On both occasions, Mark made it completely off the top of his head, and he ended up creating the two essential media that were to do with He-Man. He this is where I want to just pause for a moment on the comic book side of things, because I wasn't five, I was a bit older, but I still liked my toys in 1982, and I noticed that they were at a different scale, and my god, He-Man's ripped. He and also, there were some really interesting other kinds of characters there, too. And so I remember me and my friends, I can't remember exactly how old we were, I guess we was about nine. And each one of us had bought a different He-Man figure. And we were reading the comics, and the comics were clearly inspired by Conan. It was a rough world out there. And basically, the reason why He-Man had a thin sword and Skeletor had a thin sword as the sword of power is meant to be put together and only then could you use it as a key to unlock Castle Grayskull and but the important thing was it was very desolate it was on a planet and He-Man critically was always He-Man he was always this kind of barbarian character doing brave deeds fighting for justice against evil Skeletor I mean Skeletor is one of the greatest kids creations toy creations Nowadays, saying we're going to have this thing that embodies pure evil and its face is going to be a skull, an actual skull, and we're going to aim it at five-year-olds. Never get past sensors nowadays. Like That is just too strong for a five-year-old. That's just going to give them nightmares. No, it didn't. We all absolutely loved it. And critically in the animation, Skeletor was made, quite frankly, a bit sassy. He would do one-liners. <laughs> What's the matter? Lost your king? What have you done with my father? Here, see for yourself. <gasps> Your father is a little tied up right now. <laughs> if they really did lean into pure evil, he would have been just simply too terrifying for kids' TV. But here is where we get the disconnect. Because I've been playing with He-Man for, let's say, about a year. <laughs> And me and my friends had enjoyed it, and then we heard there was going to be an animated TV series. So, oh yeah, I can't wait to see these guys go at it with each other, smash, bang, crash. Obviously, nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds are far more violent than what the censors think that we can handle. But then critically, when it came to the He-Man animated TV show, done by Filmation, these are the people who... They did so many animated series in the 1970s, and actually tied into quite a lot of brands, and had their own brands as well. The animation was really good for the time, for the fact that it's a TV show, okay? And it, it was filmation rather than anime, so it, it definitely had a more Western feel to it as well. But the American censors were worried about this being basically a 30-minute long TV commercial to kids, which, by the way, because it was on TV would have been interrupted by yet more commercials. So halfway through this sort of animated commercial, then there'd literally be an animated advert for here's the latest He-Man figure or equipment or whatever. And it's almost 
unfair to the child in terms of the amount of pushiness that it would give that child and the, the whole FOMO thing, which is a very modern term, you know, fear of missing out. And therefore, to give it a little bit of... But it is education. Honestly, it isn't us just trying to sell toys. Really, it was trying to sell toys. Is at the end of the episodes, basically He-Man, and I mentioned this in a previous episode in passing, but what He-Man was kind of famous for is at the end of the episode, one of the central characters would then break the fourth wall and say, in this week, we saw that Orko got very angry when he couldn't do his thing that he wanted to do. And we have to remember that when we get frustrated, we shouldn't get angry. And it's like the thought for the day done in animation. And the amount of people who's got on to say, look, I came from a broken family. My mother was working two jobs just to pay the bills. You know, she wasn't around as much as I would have liked her, but she had other priorities to do to try and keep the family together. So I learned my morality through He-Man. And that is lovely to hear that there were some, this cynical excuse to get around censorship. And they said, oh yeah, this will work on kids, did genuinely work on some kids. But by now, after a few years of this, there is this term with children playing with toys. At some point, they, they're too old to play with toys. They don't find them very stimulating anymore. And it's called aging out. And with He-Man, I aged out during the run of He-Man stuff. And I found it, how can I put this? I was so disappointed with the TV show because I really wanted it to be about barbarians and fighting and epicness and lots of deserts because a desert is cheap to draw. This whole thing about Prince Adam, suddenly it's turning He-Man into like a superhero where you've got Clark Kent, the kind of bumbling idiot, turns into Superman. We've got Prince Adam, this incredibly jacked bumbling idiot who then turns into He-Man. At least with Clark Kent, he takes some glasses off. The only difference between Prince Adam and He-Man is he takes his shirt off. That's it. He has the same haircut and everything else. And it's, oh. And Orko, I mentioned in passing, this kind of weird floating wizard thing with a weird squeaky voice. And basically, I and my friends were looking for something just a bit grittier. You know, something more like Gremlins than something like the Gummy Bears. If you're from the 80s, you understand what I'm talking about. But this was, and I know this is a weird thing to say about toys, but compared to the comic books, it was infantilizing He-Man. So I always pushed off quite hard from the animation, but I did recognize it was just out over and over again. And and the toys, I loved the sort of the play on words. I had many faces, which... Is basically a figure where he has a little twist on the top of his head and he's literally got three different faces. I always like the robot one of that. And something like that's relatively easy to retool. So we get now get into some technical stuff here. Every time you are molding something, you need more molds. And therefore, if you've got to change the molds or sort of change things around, it's called retooling. And every time you retool, it is expensive and also the production line can't produce anything. So a clever thing to do was have the same basic body, different colors injecting the, the plastic what color is makes no difference but it's already set up so a lot of the base bodies were actually suspiciously close to he-man but different colors with something else a different type of head stuck on top and indeed his head was a 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Different part to the main torso element. So that saved them money. And with many faces, he looks suspiciously like a different coloured He Man. But definitely soldered onto the top, if you like, was this weird cone type cylinder thing, which allowed them to input a little head with three different faces on it, and then you could spin it around. Fine, good, good for you. It gave me fun. And that's the point. I don't care what you play or how you play it. And nowadays there's a lot of elitism. Oh, you have to play this video game this way. Oh, you have to do that the other way. And it's like, no, what you actually want to do is just have fun. And if this gives you fun, then great. Good for you. But at the early days of He-Man, right at the beginning when they were putting the line together and continuing the story about retooling, I love this. They had tried a few years earlier with this boy-orientated toy called Big Jim. If you don't remember it, there's a reason for that. It didn't really take off, but it was a safari action-adventure thing. And when it came to He-Man, the basic idea is we'd have like about eight to ten basic figures, but we do actually need some vehicles to go with it. And they had enough money to create the tools to come up with the molds for two specific types of vehicle but they needed a third one and then and this is the genius they went back to the molds of big jim and there was one particular action set that had this tiger capture set and all they did is they took the tiger gave it a different color see where we're going here and the only remolding was the basically the saddle and helmet for the tiger which now became battle cat and so you know there is nothing more 
awesome than a barbarian riding a large prey feline, you know, like a lion or tiger or something like that. But also when the tiger's green, this is all high fantasy stuff. This is all very heavy metal. That's a sort of like a type of fantasy art, not just the music, by the way. And so there were loads of this sort of thing. I remember there was, um, fortunately, I'm going to get the name wrong. It wasn't Labatt. It was something very similar to Labatt in the 1980s in Britain to sell beer. They basically had Lamotte, I think it was called. The Lager is Lamotte. And basically there were two animated commercials where basically you've got a knight in shiny armor on the back of a panther and it's going around a rickety dungeon. That was awesome. Had no interest in the beer, but it's just like, that is the fantasy stuff. You've got to remember, this is also at the height of things like Dungeons and Dragons. Also, personally, I was getting into the whole Warhammer thing with Games Workshop. This stuff was starting to become mainstream, is perhaps pushing it too far, but being recognized by, in particular, things like marketing agencies that felt that this stuff could work. So, We've got everything set up, 1982, it comes out and it does brilliantly. And to give you an idea, the idea was it would break even by 1983. Instead, it grows treble where its targets were. It made a profit in its first year. I've got the numbers here in front of me. Year one target was 13 million sales and they got 38 million. So basically three times. At its peak. By 1986, so you've got 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. So you've got five good years there where it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It gets to 400 million sales in a year. So clearly they picked up on something that just really channeled the children's imaginations. And indeed in Mattel, for a while, He-Man was bigger than Barbie. I'm a but then, the year after, 1987, everything collapsed with He-Man. And I find this bit fascinating because there are still conversations about why did it collapse so hard. First of all, there's the argument of ageing out. If you were five in 1982, well now you're ten in 1987 and you might be going on to something else. But, if you may remember, I said that in this company that had basically been dominated by Barbie and by girls' toys for so long, He-Man was beginning to steal some of that thunder. There was a little bit of jealousy on the female side. Some people call it jealousy. Other people said they spotted a new marketing opportunity because they realised there were young girls playing with He-Man stuff as well. And there were a few evil and positive girl figures as well. Evelyn. Another play on words there, as in Evelyn, Evil, Lynn, obviously worked with Skeletor. So there were some girl ones, but there wasn't enough there. So what they decided is they would create an entire range. And didn't you know that whereas Prince Adam, he was on one planet, his sister, so you got He-Man on one planet, and his sister, She-Ra, Still don't quite get the raw bit, but you know, He-Man, it's like, okay, that's a super macho guy. She-Ra. Okay, fine, whatever. And basically using similar types of toys and the same size, so the two types of toy could interact with each other. But you then got things like the hair play. I get all these lines from marketing. So with girls, like young girls, they quite like playing around with dolls with hair. 
there's girl's world that was a thing that my sister this was a nightmarish thing so basically it's like a small same roughly the same size as a child's head head actual plastic head and surrounded by it so basically it's the neck and head and surrounded by it is there's basically like lipsticks and mascara and you could put in extra amounts of hair in inside her head which sort of rolled out the top of her head so you could give it haircuts but also color it and so on and so forth and you know my sister being whatever six at the time this girl's world would constantly have the makeup caked on it like this bright green makeup over one eyeball and then bright blue on the other eyeball i mean it really was the stuff of nightmares but it kept her happy and that's fine but this thing of like you know brushing hair this is why barbie unlike he-man for example doesn't have plastic molded hair she actually has realistic hair which girls can plait or put into a ponytail indeed some of her barbie's hair is so ridiculously long it would get into the guinness world of records but it allowed a child to play with the hair and it's the same thing with this she-ra character some of the other of her female friends there was dress up as well he-man just came in his plastic molded outfit she-ra you could get different outfits for which they charged a fortune for. So for a while, this was a really good idea. It synced both categories well together. But why did He-Man collapse? One group of thought was, well, these boys are aging out and moving on to something else. But also there's another, and I think valid point, that if you're a boy running around going, I have the power like to Castle Grayskull right now, and your little sister is having tea with She-Ra, who also occasionally grabs your He-Man so they can come over for a nice little tea party or something. It doesn't feel like it's yours anymore. It feels like it's being taken over by younger kids and older kids don't like younger kids. And also, uh, it's girly. Now, for the record, it's absolutely fine. If we're talking about 2023 and modern, you do you. Do whatever you want. Again, whatever gives you fun, do that. But if you just look at generally little five-year-old boys and little five-year-old girls, they tend to be very distinct and, and not liking the other sex much. They find them each other fundamentally annoying. And that's just, if you don't believe me, I don't know, go to a kindergarten. You'll see it happen. You've got little Jimmy there, who's now not so little, and also it's like, oh, my sister's playing with it. But there was a feeling of, okay, we can see that the sales are going down, but it's okay. 1987 is also going to be the launch of our He-Man and the Masters of the Universe movie. And the Masters of the Universe! And we've got Dolph Lundgren to play He-Man. Now, I do know that the original creator, Roger Sweet, wasn't impressed by Dolph Lundgren's muscles. He's the only one, because everybody else saw him in Rocky IV and went, he's an absolute man-mountain. He was blonde. He was smart, by the way. Dolph Lundgren basically has a degree, I think, in chemistry, and then basically got into bodyguarding and then was picked up and then was put into Rocky IV. And... He's had a career for like B-movie action films for quite some time. And in theory, this movie could have worked. Except, if you remember, if we go all the way back to the comic books, comic books were one thing. Then they set up this whole genre for like five or six years of animation that set up its own world. And then, again, when we get to the movie, they throw away all of that. It's set on Earth. Almost none of the characters make it into the movie. Why is all this? It's basically for budgetary purposes. Okay, but 
I'm paying my money to see He-Man on Eternia. And if you're not going to give me that, and by 1987 there have been lots of fantastical movies like Dark Crystal and Star Wars, etc. So we know that we can create sort of fantastical worlds using sets or going to an exotic location, etc. And it, it was just your classic fish-out-of-water thing. Oh, I don't understand, you know, how a car works or whatever. There's also one line in it, which I do love, where basically they hand over some food over to them and it's chicken legs. And they went, oh, what's this easily disposable stick? And went, that's the bone. What, you mean I'm eating an animal? Which does imply that they're all vegetarian on Internia. Okay, that's that's very... 21st century coming out in 1987. Dolph Lundgren put his heart and soul into it, but the budget wasn't there. It was almost like Mattel couldn't fully commit. I mean, if you just made $400 million out of it the previous year, if you put in $50 million, it would have been a hugely expensive and hugely impressive undertaking, and quite frankly, would probably have resurrected the brand as everybody wanted the Dolph Lundgren action figure. But no, it was a bad film, and it tanked at the box office, and on top of the fact that people were losing interest on He-Man, it all started to wane. That, if you like, is the story of He-Man. I'm well aware it has been resurrected on things like Netflix and stuff. They, they tried to come out with it multiple times, but its moment has passed. There are very specialised collector versions of the original models with even more detail, a lot of detail on them, but they go for a lot of money and they're not meant to be played with with children. It's basically people like me who end up buying stuff like that. But for the record, I feel obliged to say, no, I didn't. I did not buy that. Okay, so that is the world of He-Man. And what it started in the 1980s, like I said, it was the first one to say, look, we've built a toy range, now let's come out with some animation. And so, without He-Man, I don't know, maybe these other ones would have got there, but Transformers, or Thundercats, or one of my favourites that really didn't do very well, I just fell in love with this in America, and it was briefly shown in, in Britain as well, but Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. The toys I never saw, but I really love the animated series. It's got a great theme tune as well. There was just this glut. G.I. Joe, obviously, as well. The list goes on and on in terms of all of these animated shows that were basically there to flog some toys. Teenage Mutant and Ninja Turtles as well. Like I say, they keep popping into my head and you're going to think of more stuff as well. However, because the consumption of media has changed, in the 21st century, people do not sit down and watch Saturday morning cartoons like they did in the 1980s or 90s. And so this stuff's on YouTube and everything's just diversified and fragmented. Also, how many kids age 10 are playing with any kind of toys? They're online, they're on Fortnite or whatever. So as things have evolved, things like basic toys have had to change quite dramatically as well. Now, this allows me to go into history because whereas you can see it absolutely changed the pop culture landscape of the 1980s, this was a marketing technique that was used for decades and it was highly successful for Mattel and other companies as well. This is absolutely a piece of recent cultural history. But I keep mentioning the word barbarian and I keep talking about xenophobia. And what I find fascinating is ancient China has nothing in common with ancient Rome, really. And neither of those have got much in common with, let's say, the Aztecs or ancient or feudal Japan. 
And yet one thing they all have in common is they have a specific word for a foreigner, from somebody not from our culture or our race. It's guailo in Chinese or Mandarin, I should say. It's gaijin in Japanese. It's Gentile in Hebrew, in the Jewish community, and the Romans referred to barbarians. And literally, barbarous meant these people make bar sounds. So I speak Latin. The, the year is 57 AD, okay? I speak Latin. I live in Rome, okay? So when somebody comes in from the Germanic areas, we do not speak the same language, and to me, it just sounds like you're going ba 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 ba. And indeed, to this day, we still use that noise, meaning you are boring and disinterested to me, etc. So everybody around the world was surrounded. Every culture and civilization was surrounded by what we use in the English language, barbarians. It's basically a sign that we're best. Those other people are terrible human beings that we're going to, if we can be bothered to mention them at all in Chronicles, it is always from a lens of ignorance and subservience to us. It's like, they don't wash as much as us. They're not as smart as us. They don't build things as well as us. So we fought a war with them and we beat them easily. They're idiots because they're running around with wicker shields and we've got metal caked ones, etc. What's interesting is the term barbarian is really pejorative. Nowadays, if I described everybody who wasn't born in Britain as, like, immigrants or foreigners, you would say, whoa, Jem, that's really xenophobic of you. And for the record, I would never use that as a phrase. But that's exactly what's going on, what, what amuses me whenever we hear the term barbarian, all those other ones. It's like you are either, for example, a Jew or a Gentile. Basically, it is politely translated as non-Jewish. But believe me, it's not a compliment because the Jews feel that they've got their angle with their civilization and culture and language and religion, for example. And Gaijin and Guailo, these are, again, politely referred to as foreigners or someone from another land. And it's like, yeah, but it's, again, it is kind of implying, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> that you are actually being negative about us. Indeed, I happen to know that there's another word in Japanese, if you translate it specifically for Europeans, and it translates as big noses. So again, if white people were using a term like that about somebody of a color or different ethnicity, that would get you cancelled. So it's interesting how some of these things have been around so long, we don't even realize that they're xenophobic. And it does show you, and you know, I've made this comment a number of times, no culture has a monopoly on, on moral certainty. There is no best culture. There is no best people. There are idiots and geniuses from all around the world. And this is an example where just because it's a person of color doesn't mean that they have no racism in them whatsoever. They are. They're just picking different targets. And if you go to another country and you look substantially differently, you may be obviously completely comfortable in your own country. But when you go to that other country, people sometimes, and this has literally happened to me, kind of pointed and sort of sniggered at you. At you. Thanks. You know, that makes me feel good. I am a human being, you know. If you like, He-Man is the most positive spin on xenophobia you're ever going to get. But at the same time, that xenophobia is just intrinsic in all cultures, in all eras of history, all around the world. I'm at Gem Deducci on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Do you have any fond memories of He-Man? 
do you remember Jason the Wheel Warriors? That's also really interesting to know to me. Give me some ideas. What do you think? I uh, always love to hear from people. Always, if you can, if you can click subscribe, if you can give us a review, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Today we saw people fighting over the Star Child, but in the end, her power brought these people together. It might surprise you to know that all of us have a power like the Star Child's. You can't see it or touch it, but you can feel it. It's called love. When you care deeply about others, when you're kind and gentle, then you're using the power. And that's very special magic indeed. Until later. Another episode coming soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.